be much in prayer. So this morning, I don't know why I picked my mask back up. I'm not done. Um, so this morning, we are privileged and thankful to be in a place where we are called to a higher purpose. And, and I want all of you to know that, that, that from the preaching that we give, from the teaching that we do, from the things that take place in this church and worship, to the prayers that we pray, to the programs that we put together, all of the things that happen happen because you are called to a higher purpose, and it is our job to help get you there. Amen? It's not my job to sit here with a thumb on you, amen, and and tell you, no, you can't do it because it doesn't meet my agenda. My job as your pastor is to find your talents and to find your strengths and to find the things that God has already placed in you and allow those things to be encouraged and brought out of you. Now, as part of that process... I'm going to make sure you're aligned here, amen? I'm not going to let you just get all willy-nilly and, and, and in yourself and, and feel all built up and haughty in your head and, and everything and then, and then just start, you know, trying to throw down. No, that's not how this works, right? Because I'm going to be honest with you and, and take, take this to, to, to great caution, amen? The greatest servants I have ever been around of the king are among the most humble and are among those who realize they are not called to self, they are not called to glory, they are not called to vanity, amen? And those walking around beating their chest like they're something when they're nothing are the ones who have missed Jesus Christ the most. So what I'm encouraging you is to a life exampled by Jesus himself and a life exampled by those he called who followed that example and changed the world. And they didn't change the world by by telling you who they were. They didn't change the world by telling you what they were. They changed the world by preaching a gospel. Last week we preached a message to you called Jesus Simplified. Amen? They preached the gospel. Jesus Christ, born of a virgin. Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus Christ risen. And Jesus Christ coming again. Amen. And it doesn't get any simpler than that for us. And we will we will get on every soapbox coming and going, myself included, myself included. And, 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 I, and I, I, I'm very critical of myself when I find myself on soapboxes. So don't 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 think I'm not, because at the end of the day, it's got to be about Jesus. Amen. And at the end of the day, when God puts favor in your path, then you need to step into that and you need to allow his power and his anointing take place in your life. However, there's this thing called the valley of decisions. There's this thing called the valley of decisions. Now, when we think about decisions, what do we think about? Choice. Good. Good. We think about choice, right? And let me ask you a question this morning. How many choices do we have? Bunch, what is that? Millions, millions a day? A lot. Yes. Yes. Very true. Everywhere we look, everywhere we turn, we're given choices. We're given choices how how to manage our home. Amen. We're given choices in how we make money. We're given choices in how we respond to the cashier. Amen. We, 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 we put our, our truck in at Walmart yesterday to get the oil changed. And, and it was there all day. 
because I went home and cut grass and, and everything else. And so finally at like 8.30 when she finally gets off work, we go to pick it up only to find out that they didn't change the oil for some reason. I never got a phone call. And I'm literally standing there like, right? Because I've got like this whole week planned out because I've got a million I's to dot and a billion T's to cross. And that just did not meet up with my agenda. But I also understood it wasn't the lady's fault behind the counter. Amen. So I was like, she handed me my keys and the paper. And I'm like, thank you. And I, and I marched to the car, and I got out of the way, and I made sure that my mouth stayed shut, right? I had a choice to make. I had a decision to make in that place. I could either make a decision that glorified God, or I could make a decision that brought judgment on me. And when we look into the, the book of Joel, and, and we look into the third chapter, and I'm going to read it to you for here in a minute, that's what we're talking about. We are talking about the judgment of people, the valley of Judgment. If we, if we run the roots of that, it takes us back to this idea of judgment. If we look at Jehoshaphat, who we're going to mention in this scripture, we understand that Jehoshaphat's name means judgment. And so what we have to understand in this life is that every choice, every decision, every thought that goes through our head has the ability to draw us into the judgment of of God, or it can bring us into his glory, and it can bring us into his power, and it can bring us into all that he has promised us in life, right? Let me read it for you this morning, starting at verse 9, Joel chapter 3. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords, and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves, and come, all ye heathen, of which I am not, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. Thither calls thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, the valley of judgment, the valley of decisions. For there I will sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full. The fats overflow, for their wickedness is great." Multitudes, multitudes. We'll come back to that. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Let's pray this morning. Father, what a privilege you've given us today. And Lord, 
what a privilege you've given us to celebrate moms and what a privilege you've given us to come into this place and to know that, God, anything that you have asked, anything that you have given, anything that you have put before us brings us into your glory and brings us into your presence that which we are called. And, God, we pray now that, Lord, the unction would come and the power of heaven would fall upon us and we would be in a place that, God, your name would be glorified and you would be lifted, that, Lord, you would remove the very evil thought from our life. Life and God, you would take us to a place to where your name is set up above all things. And God, that we would rest and stand on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and his, his salvation for our souls. And that God, we would not look to our left and we would not look to our right, but Lord, we would look to you. Our eye would remain single and Lord, we would make the hard choice of the path least followed. Lord, the narrow road that brings us into your presence. And God, you would be glorified and lifted up in Jesus' name. Amen. Multitudes. That's a lot, right? Multitudes. Says it twice. That's a lot more, right? Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, in the valley of judgment. Now, there's a lot of people that, that if, you, if you look into the prophecies and everything else, and you know that in the end times, everything will rise up against Israel. Everything will rise up against Jerusalem, even including the United States. Amen? And when we begin to push against Israel, when we begin to speak up against Israel, when we begin to surround Israel as an army... Amen. This is symbolic of that, and it is pushing us to a time and a day that we know the end is near. Right? Not because I think it's near, not because it's a political thing, but because the Bible says so. Amen? And, and if we take a good look around of everything that is going on in our life, we see that we are stepping into a time where, where we should be taking great heed of our decisions. We see that we are stepping into a time that we should take great heed of where we stand with God, that we should take great heed in the decisions that we are making in this life. Because it takes one bad decision to move us away from God. It takes one bad decision, as we told our boys their whole life growing up, one bad decision can destroy the rest of your life. And we are living in a day and in a time where it's amok. It's, it's among us. And, and, and all around us, people are exposed. Amen. I'm not just talking about the kids. Adults are exposed equally. All around us, we are exposed to millions of choices meant to draw us away from God. All of it is meant to draw us away from God. All of it is meant to create things in our mind, create things in our heart, create things in our being that wants to please us. Amen? And we will sacrifice all of heaven. We will sacrifice all of God's power. We will sacrifice all of God's glory for a second of pleasure. If we're not careful. And we are truly in a day of decision. We are truly in a day and we are truly in a time where we have to choose, are we God's or are we not? Is God's power alive in me or is it not? Am I choosing to walk in the fullness of his glory or am I okay with just a little bit of his glory 
Amen? As long as no one sees the other stuff. Amen? Am I willing to be like the world except on Sunday? Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. We are there and we are in a place where we are surrounding God's glory with evil. We are surrounding God's truth with contempt. We are surrounding his glory and his power that he wants to bestow upon our lives. We are surrounding it with every bit of darkness we can muster within ourselves. And the result thereof is judgment. The result thereof is something that we will have no control over. Because when that day comes, when that shout of the archangel comes, and I'm going to share this with you. I, I was asleep one night, and I was in the middle of a revival. And, and uh, man, God was pouring out, and, and, and God was just moving. And I was probably at the, one of the closest places I had ever been in my relationship with God. And I'm laying there in bed and, and sound asleep. And in that moment, I hear a shout. Amen. And listen, Christian, don't be, if, if you're a Christian, don't be listening for no trumpet. Because by the trump, time you hear the trumpet, it's all over. Amen. Start listening for the shout of acclamation. You want to know what the shout of acclamation is? That's when God turns to Jesus and says, go, go get my children. And Jesus lets out a war hoop. Jesus starts throwing down some glory in that minute. When Jesus shouts, amen, when the good shepherd shouts, amen, the sheep will know his voice and the sheep will hear and the sheep will respond. We will bring ourselves to Jesus in that moment. So if you want to be changed in the twinkling of an eye, if you want to be removed from this earth, if you want to be caught up to be with him like scripture promises, be ready, be on guard, and listen for the shout. Amen? Because when he shouts, amen, I want to throw my arms up and, and, and land. I, I kind of got this height thing, so I don't know how the whole here, how the here to there is going to work, and I might be like, just grab me. Right? I might just kind of be in that moment of like, oh, gosh, that's the earth down there, whatever. I don't know how that's all going to go down, but I'm listening for the shout. And when my eyes open again, I want to be at his feet. And I want to crawl to him feeling like I've, I've left everything inside of me behind. So that I could be found in his glory. That place is not going to have anything to do with my glory. That place, that, that, that time, our, our, our afterlife, however you want to phrase it, is going to have nothing to do with J. Mace. There's not going to be J. Mace Street there's not going to be J. Mace residence. There's not going to be J. Mace this or J. Mace that. There's not going to be the pulse this or the pulse that. Amen. And when we get full of ourselves and we start thinking ourselves to be something, and especially when we start beating our breast and saying, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, and everything else, and we are so far out of the context of this, amen, that we might be uh, hearing a trumpet and not a shout. Amen. Because I don't see any of the empowered in here behaving in such ways. Amen? Daniel, what did he do? He got on his knees and he prayed. He didn't stand and stomp a foot and snort that I'm this. I won't, uh, I, I, I'm not going to go pray because I'm this. No, what did he do? He just quietly went back home and knelt down and prayed. 
He didn't need to be seen. He didn't need to be heard. He just needed to be faithful to God. And God moved on his behalf. Amen? And so when we, when we have decisions to make, we even have decisions to make in the household of faith. How do I exercise this verse? Do I exercise this verse to claim myself to be something when I'm nothing? No, I exercise this verse by living it out. By living it out and allowing its truth to take hold of my life and to take hold of the people around me. That's how God begins to fall glory and power into me. Amen? It's not, it's not because I've earned it. It's not because I'm proclaiming it. It's because it's truth. That's where the power comes from. The power comes from the truth, not me. Not, not this guy, not that gal. The power comes from the fact that it's truth. And the reality for us is we seek truth in a lot of places. Amen? Right? We live, we live in the Google age. Amen? Right? We, we kind of had a thing at work for, for a number of years and, and everything else. People were like, well, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know about that. Well, let me Google that for you. Right? And it, and it was kind of a thing. And, and even to this day, if I'm in a meeting and someone says something that I don't know, make a little note. And everything else, when the meeting is over, what do I do? I go Google it. I read. I educate myself. I learn something. So that the next time I'm in a meeting, I'm not, I'm not caught unawares. Amen? And, and I, I remember working with this person who repeatedly said again and again and again, I don't know that. 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 And, and so after the meeting, I, I, I said to them, I said, and this was someone who was equal to me in, in the work that we were doing, I said, um... We've talked about this now probably eight to ten times. Yeah, I know. Well, you're still saying you don't know. Well, I don't know. Is it, you know, and, and the conversation went, is it really my job? And I'm like, well, if you're in a meeting where it's talked about and it becomes part of the conversation, whether it's your job or not, it's probably important that you know it. And in this day and age, coming back eight to ten times and not knowing is your fault, nobody else's. Right? Sometimes when it comes to the power of God, we show up and things begin happening around us and things begin moving around us and we don't understand it. We don't, we don't necessarily know what's going on and that's okay. That's okay. But we're invited to step in to it. I'm not talking about crazy stuff, I'm, but I'm talking about truth this morning. And the reason why truth matters to us is because at some point along the way, we're going to have to make a decision. At some point along the way, we're going to have to decide, do I do this or do I do that? At some point along the way, I'm going to have to decide, do I believe this or do I believe that? At some point along the way, I'm going to have to decide, do I follow Jesus or do I follow man? Or maybe do I follow my own pleasure, right? At some point along the way, we are all going to have a decision to make. And as we said in the very beginning, how many decisions do we have? A lot. A lot. They are all around us. They are on every side of us. From what we watch on TV to what we put in our body to what we read, amen, and feed ourselves with, not just, not just in nourishment, but, but spiritually. Who? We feed ourselves with. Amen. 
Chris and I were, were talking the other day, and I'm like, dude, I'm just kind of in a place where these, these modern Christian self-help authors just do nothing for me. And I'm, I've literally started like six or seven books, and I get like two chapters in, and I'm just like, done. And, and I find myself today reading Spurgeon and reading, reading Wesley and reading, you know, reading, reading these guys who back in the day when they didn't have it as easy as we have it, really grabbed hold of a vibrant, passionate gospel. And they let it drive them and it, they let it make their decisions for them and they let it make choices in their life that today, if we even questioned its, its relevance, we're laughed and scorned at. I want that. I want a passionate, vibrant Christianity. I don't want a Christianity that's so assimilated with the world that I'm no different. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and, and the idea of alcohol came up. And, and we, we talked through that and everything else. And I said, let, let me tell you, here, here it is for me. Here it is for me. It was so much a part of who I was that when Jesus got a hold of my life, I've never wanted it since. Because then that would have been the same old guy. That would have been who I was. That would have been what I was. That would have been doing what I did back then. And if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you always got. Amen? So whether it's lawful, whether it's not lawful, that argument isn't even even part of my makeup. That isn't even part of my decision-making process. The decision-making process for me is when I was lost, when I was a wretch, when I was undone, this is who I was and this was what was part of my life. Now that I am found and anointed and set apart and set free according to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, I don't want none of that. I don't want none of it. None of it. It does me no good. It brings me no worth. All it does is lure me back to where I was. I'll stay here. Thank you very much. I'll stay here. Thank you very much. You don't want to be my friend because I stay here. That's okay. I'll stay here. Thank you very much. You don't want to hang out with me because I'm over here. That's okay. I'll stay here. You don't want to come up to the house for a bonfire because I'm over here. That's okay. I'll stay here. Amen? Because I want what God has. I've seen what the world has. I've been knee deep. I've neck deep at times. And what the world has, and it left me empty. It left me hurt. It left me confused. It left me depressed. It left me feeling like I had no worth. It left me feeling like there was nothing worth living for. It had me feeling horrible in every way. That's, that's Satan's goal. Remember a few weeks ago when we talked about demons and, and I introduced you Isaiah's description of Satan and his goal of building a congregation? Guess what? That all happens over here. That all happens over here. This temptation, this lure, this, this seed, this plant, this idea, this, this, oh, it's not that big a deal. This, oh, you'll still go to heaven. This, this, this argument. Anyone that, anytime that you have to justify your choices and your decisions, and you can't do it 
with, I mean, really do it with this, not the twisting and turning this, but I mean, truly doing it in the truth. Amen. Guess what? You're probably part of his congregation. No, thanks. I'll stay over here. I'll stay over here. If it's just me and my wife, I'll stay over here. Amen. And just like Job had to choose, if there comes a day that she starts to wander over here, no thanks, I'll stay over here. Amen? Because I will take Jesus above everything. I will take Jesus above everyone. I will take Jesus above anything he can set in front of me to pull me away. Decisions. Decisions. Multitudes. Multitudes. We stand with choices in front of us every minute of every day. And every choice but one is meant to pull us into Satan's hand. Every choice but one. Do we, do we grasp the, the magnitude of that? And, and, and I, yeah, it's overwhelming. You're thinking, man, Jay, you're really not doing Mother's Day justice. But, but listen, amen, moms, I want, you, I want you going to heaven, man. I don't want you waking up in the middle of a bed in a pool of sweat thinking you missed a shout like I did one night. Right? I see the world around us. I see things you guys are struggling with. I see things that, that people outside of the church are struggling with. And if there was ever a day that the pastors need to be leaving the 90 and 9 and going and rescuing the one over and over and over and over again and fighting evil, it needs to be today. Amen? Get off our high horses and, and, and get on our knees and then get in the streets and get in the communities and start touching and changing lives. Amen? And if you're doing it any other way, you're doing it wrong. And I can back that up. Multitudes, multitudes in the Valley of Decision. And thank you, Lord. I'll, I'll bring it home to Mother's Day a little bit for you, kids. You want to know what? And up here, we, we mostly when I say kids, we're talking to the teens and the 20-somethings. Amen? You want to know what the greatest gift you can give your parents? I don't care where your parents are. I don't care if they're in church this morning. I don't care if they're sitting at home. I don't care if they're knee-deep in sin. But you want to know what the best thing you can give your mom today on Mother's Day? Is your devotion to Jesus Christ. Because that's the one decision that sets you apart from everything else is your devotion to Jesus. Everything else will take you away from everything you deeply want. Everything else will take you away from everything else you deeply want. And moms, I mean, you need to be living it. If, if there was ever a time... As moms and dads, we'll get the fathers here in a month, but, but if there was ever a time that moms and dads need to be living it in the household, it's today. Because if not, you're going to have a lot to answer for in that day. Amen? Because you're responsible for that pastorate before you're responsible for anything else. You will give an account. Amen? And the best way you do that is by living it. Living it passionately, living it vibrantly, making it so much about who you are and what you are that your kids see your devotion to it and then think to themselves, wow, I, I, 
I need some of that. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but man, mom, mom and dad are consumed with it, and I've seen God move in their lives. And you know what? That's how they believe. That's how they begin to, to, to grab hold of it. That's how they begin to, to understand it is when we live it passionately in front of them. That's why I don't want, want today's stuff. Today's teaching is just as melancholy as anything coming and going. I want someone with fire to get inside of me and get inside of my heart and get inside of my head and get inside of my life and drive me to something that is real and something that is passionate and something that is going to change not only my household, but it's going to change my community. Amen? And we need to be driven to that because we are in the valley of decision. We are in a day when all of evil is surrounding what's right. Right? And if we, look at, if we look at this verse, basically what it's, what it's giving to us, whether it's metaphoric or whether it's prophetic, what it's giving to us is Jerusalem is here. And all around Jerusalem is all the armies of the world closing in. Closing in on the last stronghold that God has. The last thing that God says he will fight for. The last thing that God says he will lay his hammer against this earth for. Amen? So for a minute, think of yourself as being part of Jerusalem. You are in a place where all around you, you are being surrounded. You're being surrounded by temptation and choices on every hand. You're being surrounded with cool-looking options, right? Who doesn't want the big-paying job? But what does the big-paying job cost you? Amen? These are all decisions you have to make. I could have left West Virginia years ago making triple what I make here. I've had offers left and right, Sam can tell you. And, and you look at the money and you're kind of like, whoa. You know, and you even compare to the, the cost of living in this state or that state and everything else, and you're still thinking, man, that's pretty awesome. Amen? But now, I want to raise my kids here. I like my church. I like what God has called me into here. And this is more important than those dollar signs. So you know what? I'll stay here. I'll stay here. I'll be what God has called me to be. I'll be rewarded there, not here. Don't need lights, don't need money, don't need this. Just put, you know, put some spaghetti on my table and I'm happy. Truly, I love spaghetti, right? And sometimes that's the problem. Sometimes our, our what was the old expression mom used to say when I wanted to order everything on the board, right? Your, your eyes are bigger than your belly. <laughs> Not so much anymore, but, um, but, but sometimes our appetite gets too big, and we want things that weren't meant for us. We want things that, that, that God doesn't want us to have, and, and we start dibbling, and we start dabbling, and before you know it, the dibbles and the dabbles have hold of our life. Amen? And it's time that stops. It's time that stops. It's time that ends. Why? Because he's that important. He's that important. And he is that worthy. And he is that willing to move power and glory into us here as well as there if we choose to walk where he walks. If we choose to do the things that he does. Let me say this in closing this morning. You guys know I like the chosen. It seems to come up every, every week or so. Um, but that's because it's very powerful and, and it's very well done. And, 
and it really makes some of the things that are biblical that you're thinking, I don't really get that. It actually makes some of those things come alive and pop to you, and, and I love that because it tells me that someone not, didn't just read it and say, okay, do this. It means that they prayed about it and they fasted over it and they let it speak to them. They didn't speak. See, here's our problem in church today. We speak to the word. No, no, no. Listen, listen. What, what camera are we on? Listen, right? We speak to the word because we got it all together, right? No, 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 no. The word needs to speak to us. The word needs to change us and the word needs to evolve us to be more like him. And in, in, in the chosen, we, we see that. And we are all just like the disciples in that show. We are all from, from various walks and various stages of life, different backgrounds, some good backgrounds, some bad backgrounds, some with good stories, some with bad stories, right? Some, some with, with baggage in their life, some with very little baggage in their life, right? And they all bring it together into this group of 12 guys who are following the Messiah and who will eventually change the world. And sometimes we don't really get that because we, knows what, we know what happens in Acts. We know what happens in Romans. We know what happens throughout the New Testament. And, and so we know they get it all together and we really don't pay attention to where they were. But there was one time that all those guys... We're in the same valley of decisions that we are. They were all in that place where they were trying to figure themselves out as well as figure Jesus out, as well as figure life out. Just like me and you. And as they came to Jesus again and again and again, he said to them, how long must I suffer you? Or why were you thinking this way when you should have thought this way? Or why did you do this when you should have done this? Throughout their time with Jesus, Jesus is giving them an example and giving them something to look at and something to see that this is how God does it. And we see throughout the scripture as well as the depiction in the show that throughout it, they begin laying things down little by little. They begin changing how they think little by little. They begin making better decisions little by little. And they become those that he used to change the world. I mean, I'm really excited about where the next next several episodes uh, go because we're really we're right at that stage where they're all positioning and staturing themselves and this and that and the other and we know all of that's getting ready to crumble on them right we know Jesus is getting ready to pull that carpet out from under them amen sometimes we need the carpet pulled out from under us and we need to know that better than anything else his kingdom is what matters most his position and power and glory in our lives is what our focus needs to be. Amen? I'm, I'm beyond caring about stuff. I'm beyond caring about stature. I'm beyond caring about, about what people think about me. Why? You know what? Because it's none of my business. And I am not going to let it weigh me down. Amen? But what I care about is what he thinks of me, which in turn brings me to a place where I'm serving those that despitefully use me. Where I'm serving those who persecute me. And I'm serving those who don't say the nice things. Amen? Why? Because it's what he would do. It's what he would do. And it's what he calls me to. And it's where I walk. It's where I want to walk. 
And it's where I constantly reprove myself in my decision-making to do better, to do different, and to walk where he is. Now, listen, you hear all of this, and you're probably thinking, man, Jay's just pounding me on top of the head. Nope, because I was right where you were. There, there was a day, even in my Christian, early, early time in Christianity and, and everything else, where, where I was messing up. And you know what? There's still some days today when I get all frazzled with this going and that going and this going and that going. And I've got to be here, got to be there, got to do this, got to do that and everything else. Where I have moments of, oh, crap. And then I take a real quick step back and, whoa, 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 that's not who I want to be. Uh-uh, that's, that's not who I want to be. I've literally said that to God. I've literally stopped, pulled my car over on the side of the road, or I've literally went and shut my office door and, and got out on my knees, or I've, I've gone to the, the bathroom at the house because that's about the only room I can go to and shut the door that no one comes in and, and everything else. We won't talk about why. But there are those moments where I have to stop, and I have literally told God, this isn't who I want to be. You know who I want to be, and I want to I put that guy to death. I want to put that guy so far behind me that, that it's not even a thought, it's not even a temptation, it's not even an idea. We were playing softball one time. This has this been pretty, pretty many years ago. And um, uh, even, I, well, long story short, I was playing, I was playing third base. And um, the inning before, our right fielder was just big, bulky guy and has a cannon um, had gotten hurt. He had hurt his foot, so he couldn't play the outfit anymore, so he came in to catch. And um, this guy is on first base. Uh, their guy hits a, uh, a single in, into uh, left, left, right center field, and our guy comes up and throws and hits me right here with the ball. Well, so the runner is about where the camera is, right? And, and you know, in, in that league, being a Christian league, when you're that dead, you just kind of stop and give yourself up or you try and run back to the base that you came from. This guy chose not to do that and kept coming and put his shoulder into me and rolled me. And the next thing I know, they, their third base coach was a, a dentist. And his name was Doc. You might know him. He's over in St. Albans and everything else. And, and Doc's about this big, right? And, and at that time, I was as big as I am now, but more muscular because it was all up here and not down here and, and everything. So I was at that place where I get rolled and I come up and I'm like, what were you thinking? In like the most scary marine voice you can think, right? And I am on him. And Doc puts his arms around my waist, and I am literally walking him backwards. And about the time I get to the guy, I grab him by his throat, and I am screaming, you know, I am gone. I am in this moment and everything else. And next thing I know, I feel this blood-curdling pain in, in, in the arm that I've got the guy by the throat from. And I'm like, and it's, it's J.J., the right fielder who got hurt the inning before, now, the guy who was playing catcher to us first was a wimp, so he could have never had an impact in this situation. God knew I was going to need J.J., right? And, and so I feel this blood-girdling pain. J.J.'s arms are probably like this. No exaggeration. And, and I look at J.J. like, what are you doing? He looks at me, and he's like, you need to take a walk. And I'm like, but I really want to hurt him is what I'm thinking in my head and everything else. And I look at him again, and he's like, you need to take a walk now. And it all came back, and I'm like, 
Yeah. And so I, I find my way out to center field. That was the last out of the game. We won the game and, and whatnot and um, so forth. And I, and I fall to my knees and I, I bawl my eyes out because that was this guy. And I thought he was gone. I thought that guy was gone. I thought that rage was gone. I thought everything about who that was was gone. And I remember looking to God in that moment and saying, I don't want to be that anymore. You took that. Why did, where did that come from? I haven't had those thoughts. I haven't had those emotions. I haven't had that in, in years. And I don't want it now. I choose bigger and I choose better and I choose stronger than that. And I, I stood up there and wept for a long time. Finally, they had to come out and say, Jay, they're wanting to get the next game going. And I was like, they can wait. Because I had to get that right. I had to get it right, right then, right there. I remember I finally got up and wiped everything, snot and tears and everything off of me and, and everything else. And the first thing I did is I went walking and I found the guy. And, and it was funny because all of his team was like, whoa, 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 here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. I'm like, no, we're good, we're good now. And I walked over and I stuck my hand out. And I said, I'm sorry. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, well, it's me who should be sorry. I was like, no, no, no. I'm sorry. You do whatever you need to do, but I'm sorry. I don't want to be that anymore. And we had our little moment. Other people gathered around. We had a big old prayer, and, and God showed up in the place. And I, I say all of that to say this, not, not for self, but I say all of that to say this. When we choose God, God shows up, right? And when you're, when you're over here or when you're flirting with over here or, or you're somewhere in between, guess what? Satan's not going to tell you if you choose this, God will show up. He's just going to tell you this is better. When you know and he knows, it's not. So what I'm telling you is if you choose the one thing, God shows up. God shows up, and he makes a difference, and he still changes lives. So while you're in the valley of decision, and while you may feel surrounded by all the pressure and all of the, the stress and all of the things of this life convincing you to be this instead of this, just say no. Just say no. And you say, Jay, that's easy. Or that's easy for you to say. It wasn't. There was a time it wasn't. But what I found is when I did say no and I said yes to Jesus, he showed up. He showed up. And the things that, that tempted me, the things that got in my head, the things that, that bothered me, they don't bother me anymore. He, he, he challenges me on a whole different plane today than what he used to challenge me with because he knows I have risen to a place that that stuff doesn't even faze me. I'll say no without a blink. I have no interest. I have no need. And I'm inviting you to where he is.
to walk with him, to stand with him, and, and to love in him as only he does.